about the Steelers locker room and Cam Hayward and a couple other guys said there is no turmoil I guess denial isn't just a river in Africa perhaps they've been down so long it looks like up to them I get it they can't embrace or admit the concept of turmoil but Ponce and a few others said something that makes me think they just don't get it Ponce and a few other Steelers said, hey, Tom Brady yells on the sidelines all the time, and nobody says anything about that. First off, that is the weakest defense ever for malfeasance. The what about defense? What about this guy? What about that guy? That's pure horse manure. That's switching the heat. What about this guy? No, what about you? The what about defense is the new American National Anthem. And there's a big difference between what Brady does and what Brown did, even though I can't defend Brady because he acts like a schmuck. But the differences are, A, Brady has five rings and Brown has zero. B, Brown is looking out for stats. Brady's looking out for the team. Brady wants better. Brown just wants more. And what I really don't like about what Ponzi said is the obvious implication that we don't talk about Brady yelling because he's white. That notion is too transparent. There is red boots and you gotta believe me. AB would be a jerk even if he was white, yeah. Racism just a blanket retort When somebody says something you don't like about a person of color, it's the blanket retort. And again, this ain't Rosa Parks being told to go to the back of the bus. This is some wide receiver acting like a dink. Barry's Wear Boots brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. It'd be like if I got fined $200. Could you imagine if somebody fined me $200? I would just laugh right at them. 200 bucks, butt white money. Here's four, here's six. F you, here's 1,200. Finding a guy who makes 17 mil, $13,285. We got Josh Joey coming on at... Uh, 4.30. I want to get a little Penguin talk going. And believe me, when the Penguins are close to starting the regular season, boy, is this show going to change. Because then I can come in and talk about games and players and do interviews without it being a constant headache because one or two guys are a constant headache and are never going to stop being a constant headache. Uh, Penguins lost in overtime last night. They're now... 0-2 on the preseason. Maybe they should trade Crosby and start to rebuild. Uh, Tristan Jari made 41 saves. 
he stood on his head. He and DeSmith have uh, each played a game in the battle for that backup goalie job, and both have played pretty well. Mark Recchi, the assistant coach, noted that Daniel Sprong did not stand out, and I'm sure that's true, but this coaching staff is not crazy about Sprong, and they are crazy about Dominic Simone, and that is bound to show up. Josh Owey, my guest at the bottom of the hour, had an interesting post on Twitter preaching against the notion of moving Derek Broussard to wing. Yoey hit the nail right on the head when he said uh, the Pens got Broussard to triple down on their advantage at center. They have the best third-line center in hockey. Why would you move away from that? And if they do, it'll be because they far overestimate Riley Shan, which they do, for sure. They think he's better than a fourth-line center. If you really think that, Sully and Rex and Jr. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I don't understand. They sometimes have this notion that there's something to be gained by jumping guys up the depth chart based on irrational faith. And that can pay rewards if you're right. But it can hurt if you're wrong. And it can also hurt if there's no need to. There's no need on this team for Riley Shane to be anything besides the fourth-line center. That's what's so great about the team, that he can be the fourth-line center. And we shouldn't forget, what did he have last year, 11 goals? We shouldn't forget that his last year in Detroit, he didn't score at all till the last game of the season, and he played in, I think, every game but two. And I'm not knocking Shane. he is what he is, which is a real good fourth-line center. Anyway, where would you put Broussard? Uh, Gensel's going to play on Sid's left wing. You've already got too many right wings. Zach Aston Reese is playing with Malkin and Phil. I would just leave Broussard at center, and he will do fine. The Penguins are at home for exhibition games Saturday and Sunday. Uh, pretty soon, some of the big games are going to start to trickle in there. I like the hockey preseason. They just start playing right away. You do need system work in hockey. So you do need practice. It is very important. But probably the best way to train is to just play the games. And they do. Okay, uh, we got this fantasy football promotion going with Sheets. I love Sheets. You get to play against me in fantasy football. We got an ad running. Listen to hear it. But you can check it out at 1059thex.com. Here's my team for week one. And you're thinking, wait a minute, doesn't he hate fantasy football? Yes, he does. So he must be getting paid for this. Yes, and a lot. My team for week one is Ryan Fitzpatrick and Deshaun Jackson because they're playing against the Steelers. I got Todd Gurley because I can't have Lev Bell, yo. I got A.B. because I want to feel his ubiquity. I got Juju Smith-Schuster because he's dope. He's lit AF. And I got a bunch of other guys, too. Play against me, the super genius. Check it out at 1059thex.com. Now, I got some real talk just around the corner. And this is going uh, off the reservation a bit, but 
Two kids from Hampton High School transferred to North Catholic where they're paying tuition. I assume they are. This is all because their dad is the new basketball coach there. They're not letting the kids play because they transferred for athletic intent. The kids want to play for their dad. I'll go into detail about this just after the break, but uh, dozens of kids go to Central Catholic every year specifically to play football, and they all play, and that's okay. So why can't these kids play? You know what one reason is? Hampton High School is being incredibly petty, Tom Petty. I'll give you the whole story uh, in just a few moments here on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. None of what you're saying is reasonable. It's laughable. Ah! You're already dumb. Let's see if you can go to dumber. The X at 105.9. Double M on X. Josh Owe is going to join me at the bottom of the hour. Antonio Braun spoke today. It was mostly double talk and gibberish. Really, the only thing that matters is he's going to play Monday. And let's see how he does and how the Steelers do. But he contradicted himself over and over. I will recap how many times and how idiotic he sounded in just a little bit. But uh, really, what's the difference? I'm not tired of talking about it because it's interesting conversation. I don't know if Antonio Brown hates us or hates himself. There's a lot of self-loathing if you read between the lines of some of the stuff he says. He talks about how much the media dislikes him, but that's projection. That's projection as much as anything. I'm no psychoanalyst, and if I were, I wouldn't certainly waste my time with him. But uh, but I don't understand why he's so mad. What's he have to be mad about? He's got life screwed. He said he's pissed they're losing. I don't buy it. He's pissed because he's not getting the ball. I would love to shoot Antonio Brown up with truth serum. Put him on a lie detector and say, okay, Steelers in the Super Bowl. You could win by 30 and get two catches or lose by 30 and get 18 catches. I guarantee he'd pick the loss and the 18 catches. I, I got to get to this. The Whippeal is a stupid organization run by stupid people that administers its rules in totally arbitrary and haphazard fashion. A million kids have gone to Pittsburgh Central Catholic High School mostly to play football, and that's okay. The Whippeal certainly thinks it's okay because they've all been eligible. The same goes for a bunch of private schools like Oakland Catholic, Sewitley Academy, etc., But now these two D. Gregorio brothers transferred from Hampton to North Catholic. They play hoops. They're pretty good. Isaac's a junior and Owen's a sophomore. Their dad was an assistant coach at Hampton, and now he's the head coach at North Catholic. First year, Dave D. Gregorio. Hampton would not sign off on the transfer, which is Petty, Tom Petty, and the Whippeal is ruled they can't play. Lots of kids live in Hampton go to North Catholic. It's right up the road. Why can't these kids go play basketball for their dad? I can't think of one 
single good reason. The Whippeal says the transfer was for athletic intent. Well, of course it was. Just like all those football players at Central Catholic. The De Gregorios will appeal to the PIAA, and the Whippeal will get overturned, I bet. If that don't work, just go to court. But this is beyond stupid. The Whippeal is preventing two kids from playing basketball for their dad. It's beyond silly. And the blowhard who runs the Whippeal says, well, there's no clause in the athletic intent rule that talks about a parent coaching. Well, then put one in. You know, sometimes a rule can be superseded by common sense. These two kids just want to play for their dad. Dumbness. Total dumbness. There was an exhibition hockey game last night between Florida and Montreal. And everybody says Max Domi of Montreal sucker punched Aaron Ekblad of Florida. I got the video posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. And when I saw the video, it looked like Domi just landed the first punch, and it was a good one. As you know, I am anti-fighting in hockey. But Ekblad had slashed Domi and then kind of tangled up with them. Now, Ekblad clearly didn't want to fight, but I didn't see it as a sucker punch per se. A sucker punch is when you blindside somebody just skate up and deliver a shot out of nowhere. Ekblad and Domi were sort of tangled up. I got the video posted, like I said, on the Double M page at the X website. Watch it and then you tell me. The dictionary definition of sucker punch calls it a blow delivered, quote, without warning and often without apparent provocation, unquote. What Domi did does not fit that description. Ekblad needs to be more aware out there. I think we have Colby Armstrong on tomorrow. That'll be really good because he played in his beer league hockey final last night. And they got dropped. Now, it's best of three. So if anybody can mount a big comeback, it's any beer league hockey team with Colby Armstrong on it. Why would the beer league finals be best of three? What, are you trying to max out attendance? Make revenue? That's just unbelievable. But as someone who's participated in administrating teams in meaningless events many times, when you're done one game to nine in a best-of-three beer league final, that's when it's time to bring in the ringers. And Colby, I would imagine, would have access to plenty of those. Colby Armstrong will be on tomorrow. Up next, going to talk hockey. We got Josh Showy in studio. What a pleasant surprise that is. 1059 The X. This is Zach Aston Reese of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on the home of the Pens. 1059 The X. Zach actually did that while his jaw was still wired. He persevered for the good of the show. <laughs> Joining me now in studio, he covers the Penguins for theathletic.com. It's the great Josh Showy. Josh, uh, we're in the middle of training camp. And it seems like a camp with no real issues so far. Is there a big story to this point? No, not particularly, Mark. Um, well, that's Josh Owey. He'll be here next week. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Um, yeah, no, I I mean, we, we pretty much know what the roster is. There's a couple of spots that are up for grabs. 
Um, but no, there have not been any big stories. There haven't been any big injuries either, which is, of course, a good thing. But it's been a pretty smooth camp. Everyone that should look good looks good to me. But um, no, there aren't any big storylines. If I had to pick one thing, just watching every day, um, and he's always going to look good, but Chris Letang looks great. Uh, the more I watch him, the more I think a bounce-back year is in order. Yeah, looks very physically fit, <clears throat> Yeah, talking very confident. Uh, I expect a big bounce-back year for, for him, and for that matter, for Matt Murray. Uh, but uh, but Tanger, of course, uh, his bar's a bit, well, no, his bar can't be a bit higher than Murray's. Murray's won two Stanley Cups. <laughs> I think if they both have the year they're capable of, this team gets gets all the way back to where they were. Yeah, I have a very good feeling about the Penguins with the season only, what, two weeks away now, less than two weeks, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, and they're healthy. The, the, there's just a sense around that team right now, Mark. Uh, there's a hunger that maybe wasn't there last season. Maybe it was a psychological thing with all the hockey they had played. I don't know. But uh, I get a lot of good vibes from them right now. Everybody is ready to go. You can just see it. And the guys they brought in the offseason, Matt Cullen can still skate, I'll tell you that. And Jack Johnson, I think, has looked very good so far. He looks very comfortable from what I have seen. So there's no reason that you should feel pessimistic about the Penguins really in any way at the moment. Now, uh, Juso Ricola, the Finnish kid, the defenseman, has been talked about and has done well. But what's the most he can hope for? With their defensive core pretty much set in stone, what's he competing for this game? Yeah, there's no way he can make the top six, uh, barring an injury, of course. Uh, We know who the top six for the Penguins are, and that's not going to change. I think there is a chance he could become the number seven defenseman, although he will, in all likelihood, Mark, start the season in Wilkes-Barre. He can go down, and it doesn't affect the salary cap any. Uh, you know they're not going to lose him. So doesn't have to clear waivers, right? So uh, he and Ruedel are essentially the de facto number seven guys. I think it will be a situation where if Crystal Tang gets hurt, you're going to see Ruedel go in the lineup because he's right-handed. If Oli Mata gets hurt, you're going to see Ruedel lefty righty, just yeah. like Clint Hurdle. That's right. But has he looked that good, or is, are we just looking for a story? I think he's okay. I mean, no, I, I think he's been fine. I don't think he's a standout, but um, he does not look uncomfortable. To me, and uh, you know, he said it's been an adjustment, of course, getting used to the smaller ranks. But uh, I actually liked his game in Buffalo the other night. I thought he played fairly well. Um, no, he, he's pretty physical to a little more than I thought he would. He's just one of those guys who I think does everything just well enough, kind of like Chad Ruedel. I think he's very much in that vein, and and there's nothing wrong with having a little more depth on the blue line. Obviously, who's winning the battle for backup goalie? I think Casey DeSmith is. I, I really feel that way, Mark. Uh, he's just been the better goalie in camp. They had uh, the, the scrimmages they played three or four days last week, and he was the better goalie every day. He's probably been the best goalie in camp, to be honest with you. Uh, and Matt Murray's been fine, but he's usually a little bit of a slow starter in training camp. Casey DeSmith has been exceptional, and he, he did give up three goals in Buffalo the other night, but you got to realize the Sabres were going with Jack Eichel and a lot of their big guns, and the Penguins most certainly were not, and he made some unbelievable saves. And that said, Jari was awfully good last night in Detroit, so... I don't want to count him out, but my feeling is DeSmith is uh, the leader right now in that in that race. Uh, I was curious to hear Mark Recchi, the assistant coach, uh, <laughs> say that Daniel Sprong did not stand out in the exhibition game. That's a bit harsh, but it's like a teaser for Sprong failing. I, I just don't sense that the coaching staff has any faith in him at all. No, uh, you never hear a lot of compliments regarding Daniel, and you don't even hear compliments from his teammates sometimes. It's just a weird situation. Um, he did not look great in those games, but you know, keep in mind, none of the Penguins' top four centers played in those games, and I do think he's the kind of guy who needs to play with talented centers. You're probably going to have to play him with Crosby and Mal- or Malkin if you want to get the most out of him. And to fairly evaluate him. Yeah, I mean, that's right. When, when you bring At in the a, very least, a Broussard. 
Yes. I mean, the, the lowest you could put him logically on the depth chart is third line. So he has to play with Crosby, Malkin, or Broussard. And I think, to be totally fair to him, that has to go for the exhibition games as well. No, I agree. He's, he's a, a finisher. He is a winger with a great shot. Oh, guys like that need someone to get them to put the puck. It's not that he doesn't have other abilities. Of course he does, but it's very difficult to judge him. And, and watching in the scrimmages, he, he played with Crosby and Gensel. I thought he looked pretty good with those guys, actually. I saw some chemistry between Sprong and Crosby. So I think he does know how to play with great players. But if you're going to put him out there with you know, guys who are going to be in Wilkes-Barre playing against NHL talent, you're probably not going to notice him. Uh, Broussard is back practicing. Uh How's he feel? How's he look? And what are their plans for him? Boy, I mean, it's he's barely practiced yet, so it's hard to get a feel for just how good he looks. I think he'll be fine. Um, he had a, a chest infection, which sounds very unpleasant. I've never had one of those. Maybe that's what's been wrong with you, Mark. No, no, it was a parasite. Oh, I, I didn't hear. Uh, well, you know, you're, you're here, you're alive. I'm like the 23rd guy on the roster, well, parasite. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, Broussard, uh, listen, they're going to tinker with him. There are people in the organization who want to try him on the left wing, probably with Malkin, because they like Gensel with Crosby and move Riley Shane up to the third-line center. Personally, I don't like that idea. I think the Penguins are a far more imposing team if they have Broussard as their number three center and Shane and Cullen on the fourth line. I think Carl Haglin is a perfect third wheel with, with Kessel and Malkin. I, I would not touch that line. But uh, they clearly are interested in tinkering and and one of the reasons is because Broussard's not going to see as many minutes as he's used to if he's on the third line, and they think that affected his play. I think he needs to adapt to that and get used to it because I think that's where he best fits on this yeah, team. Yeah, we tried to win here, try to make sure Derek Broussard is in a comfortable uh, role for him. Well, I would think they're trying to win, but uh, obviously Broussard wasn't pleased with his role at the end of the year. And you'll recall, Mark, even though Broussard was banged up, and I don't know how much of an impact that had on his play, he was basically used as the fourth-line center in the last couple of games against Washington last year, which, which tells you what the coaching staff thought of his work. But this is still a highly skilled hockey player with a pretty good history of production. And to me, you acquired him to have special depth down the middle. That That's why you got him. You have him for one more season. It makes all the sense in the world to me to leave him right behind Crosby and Malkin. We're talking to Josh Shelley of TheAthletic.com here on the Mark Madden Show. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said about Broussard. If he were to play wing, who would he play with? Would he necessarily be on the left wing? Because if he is, that disqualifies him from playing with Crosby. Well, yeah, and I don't think you could possibly put him on right wing. They're already so loaded with Hornquist and Kessel and all the right wings. Russ is a natural right wing. Sprong. Uh, so I think they would have to Unless play. Unless you're going to stick at the sprung. Well, which could happen. That's that's not out of question, of course. But I think the plan would be probably to put him on Malkin's line if they're going to do that on the left wing, which maybe it would work. But Broussard's barely ever played wing. And, uh, you know, there's this idea, and the Penguins aren't the only team that's guilty of this, but they're a big offender. They think any center can play wing or any wing can play center, and that's not always the case. It just, Matt Cullen can do it. There's some guys who can, but I don't think Broussard's ever really played wing before. So who's to say if he would even be effective? He's only played the odd shift now and again. Yeah. And you're right; it would offer no guarantees. But you're right; the Penguins think any wing could play any yeah. side, and listen, the centers can move the wing. There's nothing wrong with tinkering. It's September. You're supposed to be tinkering now. I understand that, but I personally, I just don't see a ton of logic behind moving him to wing. Well, I agree. The only logical landing spot for him would be with Gino and Phil. But Zach Aston Reese is currently playing there, and I think Haglund's the best fit of all for there. Yeah, I mean, to me, Haglund's by far the best fit. He does all the defensive work, and his speed, I know he's not a great finisher, but he doesn't have to be. The one thing Haglund does, he creates so many turnovers in the offensive zone with his speed. 
And when you create that many turnovers and you help your possession numbers that much, that means Malkin and Kessel have the puck a lot. And when they have the puck a lot, good things happen. So I love that trio together. I always have. that. That's, to me, what they should do. And Aston Reese is having a nice camp. He looks a step faster to me this year, Mark. I think He said he wanted to work on a skating in the summer, and once he could actually start talking and you know, chewing gum and whatnot after the jaw. He could actually work out, and, and he does look a step faster. So he's looked fine with those guys. I think you'll probably see him get a look in exhibition games with them, but I still expect Hagelin to be the number two winger on that line. Well, then where's that leave Zach Aston-Reese? Probably on the fourth line. I, I would guess if everyone's healthy, your fourth line is probably going to be Riley Shea and Matt Cullen and Zach Aston-Reese. Cullen can play either wing. You might see him move on the right side. Aston-Reese is a natural left wing. I think it makes more sense to leave him there. That, that's a pretty good fourth line, Mark. I mean, really, that's you can, you can do a lot worse than those three on your fourth line. What about Jimmy Hayes? I haven't been very impressed. Um, Me neither, but I know what he, he could do as a fourth liner, and he yeah, is a right wing. He very well may make the team. He, he's just watching him compared to the rest of the Penguins, he just looks so slow. That reminds me a little bit of Eric Fair a couple of years ago. Like He could be effective, he could do certain things, but he was literally so much slower than everyone else that he just didn't stick out because uh, the rest of the Penguins, even guys who are going to be in Wilkes-Barre or, or not even that high, they can all skate because that's all they draft, that's all they sign are guys who skate. So he sticks out in that regard. He hasn't been horrible in camp. He might make the team. No, no, that's a good point, though. But, uh, he goes against the grain. He's a rare forward yes. that can't skate that well for this team. Yeah, but he is, you know, he's six five. He's a big guy. He's you know, a fairly physical guy. And he did score 19 goals a few years ago, so it's not like he isn't capable of being effective. He might make the team. I think the jury's still out on that. Now, we spoke before about Daniel Sprong, a, a player the coaching staff does not necessarily like. Let's talk about a few they do like. Uh, I hear they are quite enamored with Riley Shan and feel he's better than a fourth-line center, which is what might spur them moving Broussard to wing. That would be one of the reasons. What have you been told? Uh, oh, yeah, they, they like him a lot. And there are things to like about him, um, notably his defensive work. Uh, in the playoffs last year when the Penguins were protecting leads late in games, he was the guy on the ice. It was he or Sid taking every face off. They really trust him. That's not a bad thing at all. Uh, I still think he makes the Penguins a heck of a lot better as a fourth-line center than he does a third-line center. But they do feel comfortable with him in that role if it comes to that, absolutely. Yeah, but this is one of those teams. The Penguins roster is so caked that they don't have to look to elevate guys beyond their their chosen job, their, 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 excuse me, their assigned job. I just don't see the upside of even trying that. No, there's other examples of that too, but I, I agree with you. There's nothing wrong with you know keeping really good players on the third or fourth line. I mean, Riley Shane's a guy who was within one game of not scoring for an entire season <laughs> just a couple years ago. Right, and it's not like he lit it up last year. I mean, he, he did start to score a little bit in the second half of the season. I think he finished with 10 goals. or I mean, He was fine. But to me, he's a really, really good fourth-line center, and that's a good thing. That's like, you know, Matt Cullen was a really, really good fourth-line center two years ago. That was a good thing. That's what you want. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And, again, there's nothing wrong with tinkering, and they're going to do that. But I see him as a fourth-line center. I think he's perfect for the Penguins in that role. Another guy uh, the coach is like. Dominic Simone, who we've not heard a lot about during camp so far. Yeah, speaking of people who didn't stand out in preseason games, I would throw him out there as well. But um, the coaching staff did not mention that, apparently, because uh, they, they do have a fondness for him. And, in fact, uh, I wrote about this the other day, Mark. Uh, Chris Letang, you were in the locker room that day. Chris Letang was talking in one corner of the locker room about him. So was Ole Mata. I asked a bunch of other players. They all love Dominic Simone. I, I said to Matt Murray, I said, well, he doesn't really do anything that sticks out, does he? And Murray looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. He said, are you serious? I said, well, yeah. And he said, he's got the fastest hands on the team. I'm like, well, 
I'll take it from the goaltender. He would know better than I would. He but doesn't have the fastest I, hands in the I team. Think Sidney Cros- I think Sidney Crosby might have something to say about I'm that. I'm not sure he's in the top ten. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's horrible, but I, I don't. I also think he's a lock to make the team, and I, I don't necessarily view him as, as a guy who should be. Well, as I said to one of the players that was discussing Dominic Simone, he said he's really good in small areas. They go, yeah, except that small area right in front of Washington's <laughs> net in last year's playoffs. And, and, you know, I'm willing to be wrong. But I've never, there's never been a player, Josh, in all the years I've covered the Penguins, where I disagree so vehemently with what appears to be a majority opinion about Dominic Simone. I, I completely know what you're saying. I, I don't think he's awful. I think he's a fringe NHL player. I don't think he should be in consideration for Sidney Crosby's wing, uh, that, especially when you consider the gallery of stars the Penguins already have on their hockey team. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think he's horrible. I don't mean to bash the kid. But, boy, I, I know what you mean. I don't see what they see either. He just kind of looks like a ham and egg, or as you might say. As Bobby the Brain did say. <laughs> now, uh, what about the defensive pairings? We touched on the, the defensive core a bit earlier, particularly the number seven and eight guys potentially. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think if a righty goes out, Rue Weedle yeah. steps in. If a lefty goes out, uh, Ricola plays. But we have discussed at length you know, who pairs with who beyond the Latang and Dumoulin pairs. Uh, what have you seen so far, and what do you believe will shake out Early in the season, because clearly it'll it'll be a liquid situation. Well, of course it will be. Uh, obviously, Dumoulin and Latang will play together. I think you're going to see Jack Johnson start the season with Justin Schultz, and they're going to try to get Latang and or Johnson and Schultz out with Crosby and Malkin a lot of the time, which makes sense. And I think you're going to see Ole Mata and, and Jamie Alexiak as more of a defensive-minded pairing, and I don't think that's necessarily the third pairing. I think that pairing and also you know the Johnson Schultz unit. I think they will see comparable ice time just in different situations, and you know we'll see. I think you'll see Mata with Schultz at some point too. I feel bad for Ollie sometimes, and I think it bothers me more than him, in that he kind of gets uh, gets I don't want to say crapped on. Even demote is not the right word, but because he's steady Eddie, right. he has to kind of pick up the bottom guy on defense. Yeah, it happens a lot. Which Alexiak is, and that's no knock on Alexiak. He's pretty good, but. I think if they do like you're saying, it will cost Ole some minutes. It may. Luckily, Ole has the smallest ego of any NHL player I think that I've ever met. So he, he won't complain, that's for sure. Aston Villa fan, that's why. Well, he mentioned that. He mentioned you the other day and how good your team is right now, by the way. He was he was very impressed. No, he did No. He, he, when I was there? He looked, no, he looked at me the other day. He said, Mark Madden's got to be awfully happy with his oh, team. Oh, okay, because whenever I said, I'm well, there, yeah. he says Liverpool suck. No, he gave you some credit behind okay, your back. Okay, good, but, good. No, Ole's not going to complain. That's just the way he is. But uh, and they're lucky to have him because they can literally play him on any pairing, and you know he's going to be solid. Uh, how do you expect the Penguins to come out of the gate? Uh I know that's not to be all end all, but but I do think they are on a mission's too dramatic of a term, but but I think not winning has recharged them. It, it's odd. I think they're hungrier to win now than if they had won a third straight Stanley Cup and were going for four. I expect a very fast start. Part of it's their schedule. They got Montreal twice in the first week. They're awful. They got Washington and Vegas at home on nights when both of those teams have to play the night before. So they're gonna get both of them when they're tired. Um, it's not a tough stretch at all in October, not really any back-to-backs that I can think of. I would be shocked if they don't get off to a fast start, and I kind of think they might actually win the division this year, Mark. I I think the Capitals have that awful back-to-back loaded schedule the Penguins had last year. They might be feeling good about themselves, and the Penguins are hungrier than I have sensed in years. That's Josh Showey. Check out his work at theathletic.com. Next, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin here on 105.9. 
now the super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listen. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, what was your take on the AB uh, press conference today, the, the news gathering? Actually wasn't as wild as I thought it would be. He kind of stayed on topic, on track, but... As you pointed out, a lot of inconsistencies there, a lot of contradictions. You can't sit there and tell the media that you show up for work every day when they're specifically there to ask you why you missed practice or meetings two days before. Yeah, I, I thought he was a bit disjointed, uh, although he did try to, I don't want to say put on a happy face because he was certainly miserable, but he did answer every question, mm-hmm. sometimes incoherently, very often contradicting himself. But he did answer every question. Bob, why does he hate the media so much? Because doesn't understand that his problems are all of his own making. And he's talking about you guys just want clicks. Well, whenever he tweets or posts on Instagram, it's because he wants clicks. I don't think he understands that social media is a public forum that can't be commented upon, that can be reported upon. I think he thinks whatever he tweets to his followers should be between him and his followers. I think he thinks it's like texting. Yeah, I would agree with you there, Mark. I think that he, you know, he actually thinks he can still control the message. And yeah, he is a brand, and and he makes a ton of money off of that brand and his, you know, sponsorships and the people that he, you know, helps sell and push the branding and stuff like that. But boy, he seems to, for every question that he answered right today, Mark, or for every two questions he answered right and tried to do a good job and put on that face, there were other ones where he shot back at them. Like a, a simple question, like, are you okay? Are there any ling- lingering injuries for the Monday night game against Tampa? He, he lashed out at the reporter like, you don't care about me. You're probably you know glad that I have these problems. W- what does that do to I, I, solve anything? I hate anything? to say this. You know what we could have used in that media scrum today? Bob Smizek. Bob Smizek would tell the guys to go F themselves once in a while. There was a guy, I think his name was Donald Evans, who played for the mm-hmm. Steelers years ago. And he was mad about something Smizek wrote. He starts yelling at Smizek. Smizek was screaming at him, F you, F you. Shut the <laughs> F up. I swear to God. You know, I see Smizek do that every Friday at Permanis in Mount Lebanon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do have a beer with Smizek, though, every once in a while, but he's not like that anymore. He's still alive? Yeah. He holds court. He's a good dude. He's having a jolly good time in retirement. He's not a good dude. He has he has bought me a couple of beers. I, I wish him that. nothing but misery in retirement. I don't have that relationship with him, though. I know. He never did anything to me in the past. Um, do you think there's an undercurrent of self-loathing with A.B.? I think there is. There is with me. Like, like people say to me, you know, that I lash out, you know, because I, I I'm full of self-loathing. Guilty is charged. No question about that. I think anybody who does lash out a lot, has issues like that. I don't know about self-loathing. I, I honestly, Mark, I think he likes himself way too much. I think that narcissism... I think he thinks he likes himself way too much. Maybe that's it. Uh, well, look, you've seen the way that sometimes he treats people, whether it's you know in the background or whether it's through DMs or whatever. Uh, maybe he understands that you know he's not the nice guy persona all the time that he strives to put out there. And that, yes, yeah, some of these shortcomings are starting to be known. Um, look, like I said, you saw it sometimes during some of the questions today in that media scrum. Um, the guy is a great receiver. 
the guy seems to be trying to do a little bit too much outside of the football world right now, you know, with everything he has going on. And if he does have a problem that he kind of alluded to today, which I thought was kind of weird at the end there about the media doesn't care about my problems and stuff. Well, he's right about that. Well, go take care of it. But don't but, you but, bring but it up. as it affects the game, we need to know about it. As it affects his participation, we need to know about it. Exactly. And then if you bring it up, if you're the one who puts it out there, don't lash back at anybody who then follows up and asks you about if, it. If you don't like all the attention, get off social media. If you don't like all the attention, don't show up for camp and helicopter. Right. If you don't like all the meat, all the attention, he has enough money to retire now if he wanted to. Go buy a farm in Iowa and just disappear. Yeah, the argument that, you know, the media has him under a microscope and they don't allow him to do anything, that doesn't hold water when he actually drives a Rolls Royce through the doors of a birthday party at a hotel right up to the table that is set for him as he did years ago. Here's how I look at it, Bob. If I could make him miserable, I would. That's what I'm here for. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, today's list you won't like. I'm going to talk about the reality with Juju Smith-Schuster. A lot of you refuse to look at the reality. A lot of you refuse to look at where he's headed inexorably. You're going to get a, a swift kick of reality right up your backside for me, Mark Madden, in 30 seconds here on The X.